Our text this morning comes from Genesis, Exodus, and Hebrews. Would you stand for the reading of God's Word? Genesis 15. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Exodus chapter 2. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman and took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the child was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the women took the child and nursed him. And when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, because, she said, I drew him out of the water. In Hebrews chapter 11. By faith Moses, when he was born was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing one who is invisible. By faith he kept a Passover and sprinkled blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. We thank the Lord for this opportunity to worship Him, not only in singing, but in, in preaching and listening to His word. What I want us to see today, my friends, is by faith, 
we see God's covenant faithfulness. And this is what I think the, this section of Hebrews is all about. We must admit it that the Christian life is a long, hard road filled with unexpected trials and temptations. And our text addresses the temptations that would cause you and me to abandon our faith. Going against the grain in the 21st century or going against the flow is often difficult. And it's tiring. The audience in Hebrews faced intense persecution for their belief in Jesus. They were tempted to renounce Christ and return to their Old Testament beliefs and practices under Moses. To them, Moses was the most important figure in history. He was their greatest prophet. He was the great lawgiver, Israel's greatest historian, and their greatest saint. For many in the Old Testament, he was Israel's greatest deliverer. Because Moses ranks so highly among the Old Testament figures, the writer of Hebrews shows that he lived by faith and not by keeping the law. And this is a powerful argument to convince the Jews of that day that God's way had always been the way of faith. So in our text, these Jewish Christians were exhorted to press on to maturity in Christ. Why? Because even Moses, when he faced the greatest persecution and temptation, he aligned himself with Christ, even in disgrace. I submit to you that by faith, Moses saw God's covenant faithfulness. He saw God's promises and sacrifices. Therefore, these Jewish Christians should follow Moses, but not as Jews, but as the people of the new covenant, and identify with Christ, even in the face of grave danger. Hebrews 11's faith delivers the kind of conviction that motivates us to see God's covenant faithfulness even in the darkest hour. This faith transforms us into extraordinary children of God. And it also encourages others so that together we may all experience God's mighty acts of rescue and redemption. So in the Old Testament, Israel saw the Exodus. And this was the greatest event until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And through his birth, life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and session, we behold the mighty acts of the Lord. And so today I want to address three things from these various texts, but specifically Hebrews 11 that the faith mentioned here in Hebrews 11 brings us out of and brings us into and it takes us through. So what is faith? Hebrews 11 in verse 1 says it is the, it's the evidence of things not seen. It is the substance of things hoped for. John Piper, my brother, uh, your brother, he says that faith doesn't create what we hope for. That would be a mere mind game. 
Faith is a spiritual apprehending or perceiving or tasting or sensing of the beauty and the sweetness and the preciousness and the goodness of what God promises. If I didn't know any better, I'd swear John Piper was an African-American Baptist preacher. <laughs> and so beginning at verse 23, we see that faith brings you out of dangers that will undermine God's purpose for you and for your life. And so the writer begins this passage by focusing on Moses, but on his parents. And they're in a hostile situation. Pharaoh passed the command that all Hebrew boys born had to be thrown into the Nile, eliminate them. But Moses' parents, they hid this boy. They saw something in this boy. Don't know what it was, because every parent sees something in the children. Every parent. I mean, you know, as, you know I, used to be, I used to be in another faith many, many years ago, and, we had to, and you'd christen little babies, and man, some of those names they'd give those little babies, you know, it's like, man, there's some ugly little babies. And they'd give these beautiful names, because every parent wants so much for their children. I mean, you get these, you know, these little ugly babies, and then you want them to do ballet? The child's big. Let her do wrestling or something like that. But that's, that's not Moses' parents. They, they saw something in this child, and they preserved this life, even though it meant death. These simple people simply trusted God. They believed that God had something better, something better than death. And I think they looked back to the promise given to Abraham in Genesis 15, when, when God established and ratified his unilateral covenant with Abraham, God says, know for certain that your seed will be captive for 400 years in a strange land, and I will judge that nation, and I will bring, that up, bring them out. That's the sovereign Lord, friends. That's the same God who said in the flesh, I will, you see this temple? I will tear it down, and in three days, I will build it back up again. Only God could make promises like that. This story is also one of great ironic reversal to show you the sovereignty of God. So they put Moses in a, in a little ark, in a little cradle, put him in the river. His sister Miriam watched it, and Pharaoh's daughter came and saw it. Said, this is a Hebrew baby. Let's take him in. How can we help this baby? Miriam says, I know. I know somebody who could help take care of him. And the sovereign Lord used the wealth of the wicked to ensure that Jochebed could nurse her own son. So in Pharaoh's house, where he's passing this law, God Almighty had Moses and his mother being paid by Pharaoh to take care of the one who will destroy Pharaoh one day. That's the kind of God you serve. So it stands to reason that Moses was greatly influenced by the faith of his parents. So let me ask you something, parents. How should you see your children? I urge you to acknowledge God's faithfulness to his covenant and let that influence the way you raise your children. Strive to create an atmosphere of faith at home and model what covenant faithfulness looked like 
to your children. Don't model it to your children. I, listen, none of us are perfect. You mess up. I mess up when we do things at times. But let children know that your life is totally dependent upon the love and mercy of a gracious God. And we don't have it all together. I think that's why, I think that's why Matt Steinfeld is, is, is going to take this risk and go to a foreign country and use his gifts because he may have seen, chances are he may have seen God at work in his own home. And that's why so many of you continue on in your walk with the Lord because you've seen godly parents at work in your life. And they point you to Jesus Christ. These people were understandably afraid, but they overcame their fear by faith. So what are you afraid of, parents? I beg you to confess your lack of faith to God and ask him to transform your fear into the kind of faith that this, of which this text speaks. So faith brings you out of dangers that will undermine God's plan for you. But in verse 24 through 26, we see that faith also brings you out of situations that would hinder God's call on your life. It says that Moses was brought out of Pharaoh's house when he had grown up, when he had become great is the original translation. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Instead, Moses surrendered to God, refusing to allow Pharaoh to chart his destiny. Stephen says in Acts chapter 7 that Moses was trained in all the ways of the Egyptians. And undoubtedly, the throne itself may have been offered to him, yet Moses refused. He refused to be identified with the powerful royal family in Egypt. Our brother Moses overcame this temptation because he walked by faith. But he even went further. Not only did he refuse, he, he chose to suffer affliction. It's, not, it's more than just saying no. He chose to suffer affliction, and this choice had terrible consequences for Moses because he knew that saying yes to God meant saying no to, to privileges, to power, to prestige, and to possessions. Wow, stuff that everybody wants. Moses could have lived in the palace. Instead, he rejected that way of life and chose to identify with oppressed slaves, God's covenant people. That's why James says, you want to know what true religion is? Take care of the widows and the orphans. Identify with the people who are hurting the most. And, that, and that's the litmus test, litmus test almost, for your walk of faith in a world that is filled with temptation. So he had a settled conviction of what was most important to him. And so I ask you, Christian, what is really important to you today? For our brother Moses chose pain over pleasure, discomfort over ease, because he saw people as made in the image of God. He heard the cries of, of the people of God, and he believed that a covenant-keeping God would act mightily to fulfill his unshakable promises to rescue them from Pharaoh's oppressive bondage. He considered God's will greater than all the wealth in Egypt, and he did it by faith. Jimmy Chapman, I borrowed from him, he says, you and I buy things we don't need with money we don't have 
and all to impress people we don't like. He goes on to say, we should love people and use things. When we start loving things, we will start using people to get things. Our brother Moses gave it all up. By faith, he was looking ahead to a greater reward. Not only did he suffer, he regarded the reproach of God's anointed. In our text, it says, of Jesus. He chose to identify with Christ and the persecution that Moses suffered for his complete surrender to God and his people was just a figment of what Jesus would suffer. Moses suffered as a servant of God. They would ask him, who made you a rule over us? In essence, they'd ask him, Moses, just who do you think you are? At one point, the Lord had to rebuke his older brother and older sister because they tried to tell him, Moses, we know you. you you're not behaving the way you should be. When God calls you to do his work, listen, it's not man who can tell you how and where and why. It is God himself. And when you turn your face to, to, totally to the Lord, expect opposition and persecution. And this would place you in the company of Jesus, who was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And he did it all to set us free. So this kind of faith not only brings us out of situation, it brings you into a new relationship with God, and that's in verse 27. Moses just simply left Egypt. He left it. He left it all behind. And I believe he was deeply influenced by the covenant story, which began with Abraham. His eternal perspective enabled him to avoid the snares of luxury and remain faithful to God instead. My brothers and sisters in Christ, I urge you to resist the attraction of sin. And remember that sin always oversells its promised benefits. Moses disowned Egypt, and he did not fear Pharaoh's wrath. For he understood the danger that he faced was probably more than he could imagine because he was facing the most powerful man in the universe. Yet by faith, Moses was able to see him who is invisible, and he understood that God was in total control and not an angry Pharaoh. My brothers and sisters in Christ, Moses could look to Jesus because all of the Old Testament saints looked forward to the messianic hope and believed in the promises which pointed to Christ. It's right in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 13, just a few verses before our text. And hear what the writer says. Talking about these Old Testament saints. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. You see, Abraham saw, that's what Jesus says, Abraham saw my day. The prophets saw the day of the Lord, and they endured because of faith. And because of his belief in the coming Messiah, Moses experienced the same kind of rejection that, would, that Jesus Christ underwent. And faith takes us through. So it brings us out of, brings us into, and it takes us through. 
By faith, Moses obeyed God's command and he led Israel in keeping the Passover. It took faith to believe that the blood of a lamb on the doorpost would save a household from the angel of death. But Moses had that kind of faith. He looked forward to the Passover as the promise fulfilled through sacrifice. And my friends, God always rewards faith. If not immediately, at least ultimately. The Lord enabled Moses to face Pharaoh without fear, certain that God himself will deal with the enemy. Moses endured and his faithfulness was, was rewarded with deliverance for him and his people. Israel was deeply influenced by Moses' faith. They weren't, they weren't a group of godly people. You remember they all died in the wilderness except Joshua and Caleb? But in the midst of divine judgment by the death angel, the children of Israel knew what it was to experience God's grace, his protection. And they found deliverance from bondage by faith in the blood of the Passover lamb. In the same way, you and I should not be afraid of human nor satanic opposition. You and I are encouraged to maintain our distinction from the worldliness around us and to persist in the worship experience made possible by the blood of the new covenant. We are to look to the precious blood of Christ, for he is superior to all, including Moses. And by faith, the nation of Israel, not only did Moses pass through Pharaoh, but the whole nation of Israel passed through the Red Sea. They did it by faith. And if you read this text, the first temptation in reading this text is to think that Moses' parents were courageous, Moses was courageous, and the children of Israel were courageous. I contend that the only courageous people in this text were, were the Egyptian armies. They had courage. I mean, they saw the Red Sea open, they saw the children of Israel walk on dry ground through the Red Sea, and they, had enough, and they were stupid enough to follow them after all of those plagues on Egypt. Man, if I was in that military, I would have been charged with going AWOL. I mean, you got, you got frogs, lice, blood happening, and then the, then the, ocean, then the, the sea opens, and you're going to follow those people? They had courage. They had no faith because they drowned in the Red Sea. Amen? And so the Exodus stands today as that great central expression of God's power and love for his covenant people. Today, the finished work of Christ on the cross, in the empty tomb, and at the right hand of the Father is greater than the Exodus. It is that final act which guarantees that all who trust in Jesus Christ will experience a supernatural deliverance from the dominion and the penalty of sin. Listen, let me break it down to you. I don't care how evil you may think your neighbor is or somebody you know is. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses all who believe in him from every sin. When Jesus Christ did all that was required of him, the writer of Hebrews says, he sat down. It's finished. So men who are rebellious to God, Men and women who are estranged from God can find hope and life in Jesus Christ.
And that's the difference between us and the Old Testament children of Israel in Egypt. Because the writer of Hebrews concludes chapter 11 and says, these all died, but they did not receive what? The promise. You have it, we have it. What Moses saw points to the final Passover, and that is Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who came to this earth, and he bore your sins and my sins, and he kept the law, and he died on a cross, not because somebody killed him. He died because he offered of himself to a holy father on your behalf and on my behalf. And in doing so, and in representing us as our federal head, God sees his righteousness upon you and sees our sins upon him. And God declares you righteous if you declare and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I dare you to believe in him today. I dare you to trust in him as you go through the trials of this life. I dare you to remain fearful and anxious and not realizing that the one who has delivered you from the greatest consequence you will ever face is the one who can deliver you, even now, in the midst of your trials. When we trust God, we get to see him do what only he can do. And that is great and mighty things. Jeremiah says things that you don't even know about. Moses' experience in the text is proof that biblical faith means following God despite the consequences and in spite of the circumstances. And so I say to you, when you find yourselves fearful of the darkness or anxious about the many trials and temptations that may come your way, cry out to the one who has sacrificed everything on your behalf. By faith, you will discover that Jesus Christ will transform your fears into faith, and he will, by his Holy Spirit, give you a settled conviction as you face the constant onslaught of a more deadly enemy than Pharaoh. You will remain as cool and calm and collected in the midst of heat as I am. I mean, but in all seriousness, and you know this, you just ask some of these older saints, the enemy comes and he rattles your cage. He, he, he makes it appear as if there's no way out for you and me. But you stop and listen and you wait a while and you look to Jesus because you're dealing with a more deadly enemy than Pharaoh. But that's not the only thing that's, that's, that the enemy throws at you. He throws the temptation to resort to works and not live by faith. Because it's so easy to continue this. You know, some of us, we've been walking with the Lord for so long, we often tell God, okay, I got this. I got this one, God. I, I can deal with this. And God wants to take care of every little detail of your life. But you think, yeah, I'll do the little things and let God take care of the big things. No, 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 no. You don't know what you're dealing with. If it's by grace, it's not works. If it's by works, it's not grace. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean out on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he shall do what? Direct your path. Stop and remember, my friends, God's covenant faithfulness. And always look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. And just as he did with Moses and with his parents and with the children of Israel, God will use ordinary people like you and me to do extraordinary things in this world. 
like going to Lithuania and teaching agnostics about God and watching God take his word and transform hearts in Lithuania and in Dallas and all over the world as he extends his kingdom and defeats the darkness around you. Pamela Reeves says, faith is engaging in the deepest joy of heaven, knowing God's unfathomable love for me as I walk through the thorny, desolate now. It's faith, friends. There's no other way. Stop kicking and screaming. Stop trying to maneuver or, or, or manipulate your way out of this. Stop trying to figure out your way out of this. God knows what he's doing. Trust him. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your people. There are many in this room who are going through a storm, who just came out of a storm, or who may be entering a storm. The trials of this life, admittedly, Father, they rattle our cages at times. But we hold these truths to be self-evident, that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's our Savior. He's our Deliverer. He's our friend. Teach us to cast all our cares upon him, for he does care for us. Bless every head bowed in this room, Father, and cause us to live in a manner that glorifies Christ. And that is the life of faith. In Jesus' name, amen.